We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that tight. We're talking emerging media, ED games, cannabis, you name it, without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, a fool brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. Not with the brothers, various shades of brown. you <laughs> the latest in tech, business, and startups, mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. That's why you're in the middle of this, man. What's up, what's up, what's up? How's the week been? What's what's new? What's going on? Well. Beautiful weather, man. We're getting the weather back. That's one thing. We're trying not to make this Groundhog Day every day. That ship is sailed, bro. My five-year-old was like, hey, Dad, what day is it today? Saturday? Tuesday. And then you say it doesn't matter, kid. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just say it doesn't matter, kid. <laughs> like, like you're like you're like. Do I still look forward to the weekend? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> <what's the point? laughs> I'm gonna go for a drive. I'm gonna drive for any damn day right now. Man, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, this uh, it's fun though, man. It's like I mean, I'm I mean, I'm ready to get back to normal life, but it's gonna be a while. So I'm trying not to think about that. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I'm I'm I just you know have the same routine. Wake up, you know, do the most necessary breakfast. Maybe the workout in the morning. Yeah, Turn right. CNBC, Bloomberg on, Fox Sports, ESPN. Same four channels I flipped through for about five hours. Or <laughs> I got my laptop open. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So I know I'm doing these Zoom things. We're doing these Zoom happy hours. So I know who I hang out with, and um, I know who Anthony hangs out not with now. I'm like Elon Musk. That's right, Anthony and Elon Musk, baby. Uh, I'm trying to control that dude, man. He don't care. He's dropping f bombs left and right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I knew these guys hang out. Did you listen to the earnings call for Tesla? No. I give us a high level. F bombs, f bombs, f bombs. He's a genius. He can do what he wants. Similar to what we were talking about, Scott Galloway, and he's paid by NYU, and he can talk smack about NYU because he's so dope. Okay, Elon Musk is a game-changer, innovator cat, right? So he's dropping F-bombs left and right, threatening to leave California. He won't do it. I mean, but he might. He's the one guy that might. But but then he said fascism. He kept saying, this is fascist to keep us home, and he kept saying it. I'm like, oh, dude, this is like, you know, <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> so that's the F-bomb. Right, right, right. So it's, uh, it's a strange time, as it's been for a while, and we're you know, just doing our part and making sure that we drink enough whiskey to keep everybody sane and happy in the home. So between uh, our my daily whiskey sips and, you know, just daily maintenance and making sure we're doing the kids homework, uh, which, you know, I'm trying to figure out stuff to do. You know, it's a it's a it's a brave new world. But you know, one of the things I want to talk about before we kick off is what we're drinking on. Mm. Discuss the kids. Oh. <laughs> um, I think I think it's funny because I think we're all over the place, all three of us. We're not. We didn't. We didn't. We were kind of caught up, so we're all drinking our own individual thing. So yeah. you know, I went back to what if you listened to our previous episodes, my fr- my uh, my my own my favorite, my Arbor Black that I still have maybe two more drinks to drink of. So nice. um, I still have my leftover Uncle Nearest from you know we talked about in the last episode. So. <laughs> 
So, but I'm going with the Arbor Black for right now. The Uncle Nearest might is going to get popped open tomorrow since it's Friday, and you know, got to have fun on Fridays. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but that's that. That's where I'm at. Where are you guys drinking? To? Where are you at, Clyde? So for me, I am sipping on um, Henry and Sons. It's a whiskey that I found. It's a Wisconsin based. Uh, I am actually drinking on the bourbon. Which is uh, uh, one that you know I discovered in our local store, and it's the red, it's the uh, the five year red uh, red label. So, going to crack it open, give it a shot. It's called the J Henry and Sons Small Batch Bourbon. And it's Wisconsin based, you said? Yeah, Wisconsin based. Oh, they're Packer fans. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to Chicago then. I'm going to go to Chicago based. All right, I'm going to go Cobalt, baby. <laughs> so my buddy and I, we got free shipping if you order uh, four bottles. So we did. Took two each, right? <laughs> and um, I took a rye and a bourbon. I've had the oat. You've had the oat with me. Oh, you both. Uh, yep. They have a multigrain. So I've now, I've had, you know, one's done. I have three in my stash now. So I'm drinking the, the rye right now. It's dope. It's good. Nice. Man. All right. All right. So during this episode, we'll, we'll uh, dive deep into it after the show and we'll sip on it and Hopefully we can make it through because uh, yes. it's a long, hard road. So yeah. the worst part about it is only twelve thirty. Like, let, 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 let the public know what time we record, we record these things. Twelve thirty p.m. Don't make me look out. Don't make me look bad. Five p.m. somewhere. Yeah. Hey man, uh, Clyde, you could sell a couple of your Pelotons. And then buy brand new Pelotons if you own the stock. Cause that stock's a mess. It's so high. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Uh, um, it's one that we watch closely around the house because it's, uh, uh, we have a Peloton. So, you know, let's, let's just see how it's doing. It's around 45, right? And, uh, but explain it to me, right? So they're around 13 billion market cap. Ford's okay. around 15, 16, 17, 18 billion. So a bike that goes nowhere <laughs> <right>? <laughs> versus the founders of the assembly line, which changed manufacturing globally forever. Right? And they're, they're about to be worth more than them. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So I'm okay. Don't take, do your work, but I'm going to short the hell out of this stock <laughs> at some point. I have an inch. I haven't taken it. Yet. Uh, you, you know, I'm not an advisor. So you have to do your work. Can't sue me. Ha ha. Said it. <laughs> yeah, so, we're, about yeah, sure. we're about to put a disclaimer at the beginning and end of this episode. This so. it's like earnings per share were like ten, eleven dollars loss per share, right? So that's like, but they're like forty mil revenues. So that's like three, four hundred times revenues, right? What they're what they're uh, projecting. So like, and and they're still they're still losing money, right? But so what's that? I was gonna say here's the thing, but they're a growth stock. Exactly. Um, there's the caveat there right so you don't want to actually focus on earnings you want to focus on growth right so we you know we're crapping on them just to crap on them but yeah but still man this is the perfect time for them i think that's people are going to fall off once they can get back out you know they got a year runway a six-month runway maybe i think i mean that's a hell of a runway because you think about it sure all these yeah. new habits that'll be formed um typically you know people go to the gym but gyms are probably going to be one of the last places that yeah People with enough means to go to a public gym and <laughs> work out on sweaty equipment where you can get a Peloton for $35 a month. Um, Is that you know, how much it costs a month on a per month basis? Yeah. I mean, the, the actual bike 
2500 up front. And then you right. pay an additional 40 bucks for this subscription service. Okay. So they hit you with both sides, right? If yeah. you decide to pay for the bike up front, you're good. And then you just pay for the subscription. And they have a ton of content. But I think if you have a year's head start to form some habits, you're able to build enough loyalty there that you grow. The challenge is, is where are you going to get the new product? Uh, I mean, not product, but the new market fit. Like, how are you going to continue to expand and do offshoots? You know, how are they coming out with the rope, the rower? That's them, right? And they have the they have the treadmill. Do they have the rower they have too? Rower, or treadmill, like. Okay. But you know, you really have to be like a fool to get all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so explain this to me then, right? So I I completely agree with that. So they got a nice runway, but when you get to like all of us are cooped up inside. I'm going for runs. I used to do hit training more than runs any day. Yeah. You know, elliptical weights and hit training. That's where I would be. That was my season because it was the least impact. Uh, mm-hmm. joints, right? Um, and, but the best, the most efficient. Now, once soon as we can get back out. So let's, and I was looking at this, right? Cause when Peloton didn't make sense to me and I heard the arguments in, the, in favor for it, I'm going to throw AIDS when that happened, eighties, whenever that was, right? Early People were scared as hell because it was so new. No one knew what was okay. happening. And that was straight up, right? That was a death sentence off the bat. People are getting better here, right? So, but we didn't stop going to gyms. So a couple of years later, once we could start to get back, we understood it. We started getting back into our lives again. I think Peloton as a business could be dope moving forward. I think, it, I think it, you know, but I don't know how large it needs to be, but you're saying like this, so they're financing. So 35 bucks a month and then the 40 bucks, so that's 75 bucks a month, right? So it's, they're catering towards someone who can spend that. I mean, for, you yeah. know, $2,500 bikes, a $2,500 bike, no matter how long you take to pay it. Right. Yeah. So if they're looking yeah. at like a, you think about yeah, a bunch of different competitive options. So the competition used to be soul cycle. It used to be your your big gyms um, where SoulCycle was $35 per class. Um, a lot of people I know who justified getting it was like, if I just go ride my bike twice a week, it's pays for itself in a yeah. couple couple of months. Uh, in addition to that, you have your major gym. So if you want to be a baller, go to Equinox and you pay like $200 a month. Exactly. Or you can go to, uh, personal trainers are more on top of that, yeah. right? So all of that. I get it. Yeah. So, so it makes it from a value perspective, but uh, like you say, the long-term effect, like how will you continue to use it or will it eventually just be a closed rack? Um, exactly. So like most like pre-BC, pre, pre, uh, before COVID. So $40 a month, 480 a year, five times that, five, so 25. So five years before the subscription Revenue equals the cost of the bike up front, right? So if they can, yeah. they keep, so each bike, so the bike, the main sell point is getting that bike in someone's home. Boom. That's when you get the cap, the capital right up front. Five years from now, they won't be using it. They might be using something else or whatever it is. So that's the upfront, right? You want to get, uh, hopefully people stay on though, you know? And then where I see it, and I, we talked about this, not only for Peloton in this industry and, uh, consolidation, like I eventually, you know, a year or two, it's a prime takeout target or they have the ability to consolidate with somewhere else, someone else so that they have an opportunity to expand and yeah. grow a bit beyond. So, you know, I always think anybody, anyone with a subscription service and technologies like this is a prime, a prime takeout target for Apple um, to just layer on to the ecosystem. So imagine like healthcare, have an Apple bike, rolling yeah. machine, treadmill, et cetera. Um, that's a, I mean, it's a drop in the bucket for all the cash that they have on hand. 
the 200 billion plus dollars that they have on hand this they can sneeze and buy Peloton. You just gave me a great idea, and then we'll get out of this. I know this wasn't one of our topics, but <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all. A company, a company. If we're going to be doing remote learning, especially to acquire new people, hey, part of your packages will buy you a bike. Uh, sit at home because you can figure out from your algorithms, hey, healthcare plus this plus that, you know, plus what I'm saving in overhead. Them coming in the office, you're working from home one or two days. That's just another trade, a negotiating play, right? Yeah, yeah. Peloton needs to go that level like google's going to class you know schools apple is trying to go to schools make you ubiquitous man that's how the, that's the model i think that's the play for them then but, i might but, short this mo but home. isn't peloton's issue production right now like they're they're back they're, like if you order now you're not getting your bike until the end of june oh so, yeah absolutely. but yeah. yeah they they're 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 in that space right now so they're in the production you know every everything in the supply chain across the across the country across the world yeah. is all jacked up but um, but yeah, anyway, problems. Good, yeah, problem. that's a great idea. That's a great idea, though. You know, put that down on paper. Let's launch that business. Genius. <laughs> because uh, I, uh, I was reading somewhere that a lot of companies are not going back to work. So Twitter has essentially said we are never having people work in the office again, or we're going to open up work from home forever. So you'll have that option. Um, Amazon has said that, you know, October was a cl- the soonest they'll be going back to the office Facebook, for their- December. Facebook said December just today or yesterday. They said the same thing. So, yeah, tech, tech type of companies, you know, they can do that. Uh, so I think a lot of companies could be. But then there's other issues that come into play. Right. So that's another co- conversation. <laughs> well, it, it kind of goes to what our conversation is going to be about today. And, you know, if you're <laughs> if you're into the episode, you're, you're pretty deep. And you're like, guys, are just not getting to what you're talking about. All right. Let's talk about sports. I'm scared. No, <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say that, you know, if we're reimagining the way that people are working, then the next natural thing is reimagining education. Yeah. How you're yeah. going to be teaching or your kids are going to be taught um, while you're working from home. They're going to be learning from home. And education is just pretty much just going to be blown up. Um, I kick off our conversation. Our topic for today is it kind of started for me, at least, is when Como, um, the New York governor, pretty much said that he's going to have he's going to have New York work with Bill Gates to reimagine education in the school system. So that's something that we want to tackle today and just kind of think about it and drive and, and, and figure out, you know, the pluses, the minuses and areas of where we're seeing it working, where we, where, where it isn't working. So it's kind of dive in deep there. What you guys think? I think the school is broken. Public school, public school system, public school system and everything could always work. Everything could always need improvement, right? Like there's never, a straight model that works because you're talking about a country that has multi, you know, so many different ethnicities and, and races that have a different cultural perspective on uh, tons of things. So the, the public school system in the country, initial idea was perfect, giving everybody access to an education, a free education. Now, we all know there's economic differences per per school district and per state. So that 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 plays a huge part into it. But I think this thing, um, this virus opens us up to how people are learning from a remote, a remote perspective. And there's tons of technology out there, um, tons of tools. Um, yeah. Yep. And then what I think the challenge right now is, is we're so early into it. Yeah. A lot of people are saying like, oh, we have all these tools. It's going great. But is it really? Yeah. Uh, 
I think one of you guys shared to me, uh, 20 years from now, you're going to have a bunch of kids who were educated by uh, alcoholics. Yeah. That was AG. Yeah, that's true. That's funny, man. That's funny. And I was like, yeah, that's so true because we're 1230 drinking and I have to go upstairs and do some ABCs and math. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but, but yeah, but, but my point is, is like we're saying it's working, but do we really know that it's working? A lot of the assumptions are centered around, you know, the system working for all, all levels, kind of ubiquitous, no matter what the age group is. And I think there's a bunch of challenges for especially the younger students who have less focus, need more um, attention, need those small breaks. Yeah. You, know, you have parents who are just like, just do it. And we're here. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know it. <laughs> Well, that, just that, leave you alone. That highlights, <laughs> that highlights the, the the unique job of, of a teacher, right? Like the like so when mm-hmm. people went, you know, you, you know, teachers not supposed to be a parent, but at the same time, their their job is to educate the child, uh, help assist in the education of the child, not be the sole educator. But there's a socialization side of it too. What school offers, right? School offers not just you learning your ABCs and one, two, threes, but it's also about how you socialize with ind- other individuals, other kids, parents, adults, et cetera. So there's, there's that side of it, but it's a skill set to try to teach something online. And yeah. this prop, we did this, this virus prop that on educators all across this country, all across the world, really like, Hey, in a week or two weeks, some school districts were prepping for it. Others yeah. you know, had blindsided and didn't have things, you know, in place to ready to go. We talked about it in one of our previous episodes about, um, you know, Google Classrooms and other other what call learning management softwares, LMS. Yeah. But yeah, like this is this is a unique a unique time. I'll, I'll t- I'm going to piggyback off of both your comments. So what this thing has taught me, this remote teaching, remote learning, we've had schools were set up for seven eight hours a day, right? To I I've seen it now. There's about two to three hours of work, and the rest is kind of like a daycare. That's yep. what I've noticed. And so they're filling at times. So and I think, why do they make it a seven, eight hour day? So maybe mommy and daddy could go work and then, then we could come back, bring the kids home. And that's, I think they structured, they spread it out now. So you have to supplement quite a bit to make them be competitive forces, our children, uh, for, for the next couple of decades. Right. But that's what I've seen. It's two to three hours of real work. And then if you supplement, you'll get five to six and then you got to, you know, do other things with them. Well, I, I don't know if it's really right. So there's two or three. So there's two or three hours of real work now, right? Because this got propped mm-hmm. on everybody in March, sure. right? Sure. So it was the school districts and teachers, et cetera, having to adapt quickly. Now, this becomes our new normal come September, at least for the fall semester. There's going to be a prep period that the school districts have to prepare for, right? Yeah. They're yeah. going to they're going to engage students a little bit more than uh, two, three hours to go, you know, maybe not, because how do you, how do you tell five, uh, like an eight year old to sit in front of a computer or an iPad for yeah. eight hours, for six, seven hours of instruction? You can't have the DOS to do that for yeah, work. Listen, I still <laughs> often, I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom break every hour, man. So, yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, but you're, you're, you're spot on. So, like, in, in, in the teacher's defense, right? A lot of them, and picking back on Anthony, what you said, a lot of them found out on Friday. Hey, Monday, we're starting this remote learning because this thing's hitting the fan back in March. So they, you know, I have to say my younger kids, teachers on point through various apps, she, the, the, what they're sending. Plus there's two, three apps. She keeps sending, it's pinging all day. I've got it on mute right now. So you don't hear it, but she's sending videos and other stuff. So she's on point. 
teaching. She wants to be a part of it, uh, the whole process. But let's flip this up to like uh, college level, right? So college is right now. So I know people who have paid, oh, you know, they're out of state, <laughs> high profile schools. They're paying sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year for undergrad. That's a lot yep. of money. Okay, they didn't get much back when these kids came home a semester early, like half a semester in. They came back in March, right? Doesn't end until May. They got like you know maybe five, six k back. But then the t- so right now the it's interesting. These all universities are saying basically, hey, what we're giving you is the same as what you would get on campus. So we're not going to give you money back, but hey, in the fall, you should come back because you can't get what we're going to give you online. So they, they're playing that dual role right now, which is, it's interesting to me. So I think the business model is going to have to change as well because it's a business the way they're running universities. How, how many schools have the money to sustain themselves without the school being on, kids being on campus, right? Very few schools have that kind of cash on hand without having tuition being paid from, you know, whatever bank, do, you know, student loans, et cetera. Some, some, the state schools are partially funded, right, from their state funding. But, you know, you're telling me if I, if I'm paying 50,000, say 50,000 a year. Yep. And you're telling me to be, I got to do classes for the fall semester online. (laughs) Nope. No, listen, (laughs) I'll be paying 10 for the classes and whatever for the technology portion of it. But I'm not paying you the additional cost of what a room and board would be. Um, and all the other fees associated because one, you know, some of those fees go to comp the sports of the school, have kick rocks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The way that education is being distributed is probably going to be the most important piece, right? You talk about colleges, you talk about, um, uh, lower secondary schools and all these different areas of the the school age. And that's probably the biggest piece because yes, you can still deliver the message. You can still deliver, the um the information but one of the biggest challenges is everything that you get around that right uh anthony you brought up earlier like the socialization thinking about ways to 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 learn about those those areas where it's not really taught in school but it's Mm -hmm. something you need to learn so you know how do you communicate with others how do you work in an environment with others how do you do teamwork together like all those things in in zoom are um not going to happen so, you know, while the technology piece is probably the most uh, innovative and uh, kind of crush that everyone just keeps going back to because, you know, kind of the common statement that's been made is technology reduces educational inequalities um, because everybody has access to it in some shape, form or fashion. Which is BS too. But we know yeah. that and that that's typically not true because you have income inequalities, you have time time inequalities and a bunch of other areas. Even even something as simple as language barrier inequalities yeah. where the Huge. kid may know English, but the parents or the, or the caregiver are not really uh, fluent in the language. So who's going to help them? So that those are a number of the challenges that, you know, I see pretty much coming to the, coming to pass in wild technologies like Zoom and um, Marco Polo, which is an app that my kid... Uh, my youngest kid uses and a bunch of other apps that way you can share as much information you want, but how are you going to help them execute? Yep. Yeah. And so I think critical thinking is what we need to teach. And that's what you can't do in these classrooms. So I was talking to my wife, she's the smarter one in our family. So we were talking about this last night. So how can they re where there's a chance we brought this up last week in our session. Hey, there's an awesome chance for a reset, 
right now. Let's recalibrate the entire thing. My kid, my six-year-old learned the word lad. We never use that in common day practice. He had the, the fan. He had to come. He had a picture. He had to write the word. You know those Chinese fans that you kind of hold in your hand and blow like this? He had never seen one before. He's like, Daddy, what is that? I'm like, I had to look at it. Why are we teaching these archaic things that maybe worked 20, 30 years ago? Uh, they don't work now, right? So let's let's teach them things that are good for now. I think we need to teach critical thinking, how to solve problems. And I think bringing in you know, how to be productive, efficiencies, new revenue streams, how to help people think out of the box versus just memorizing. Remember, rote memorization doesn't do jack for you, right? I, I did it. I got great grades in school because I was scared of my dad. I'm going to say it right now because the Asian kid gets his ass kicked if you bring him a B. I didn't learn shit. <laughs> I don't think I learned a lot. I wasn't, I, was, I had great grades like a smart kid, but I don't know if I was smart until later, right? I, I wanted to start thinking beyond the box. Like, oh, okay, I could change this and this would be better for my lifestyle. So that's what we need to start teaching. I don't think we're doing that at the nice, at a right, right clip. Can I go on one more tangent real quick? So yeah, go ahead. Go compare, on, uh, compare U.S. schools, a 22-year-old in U.S. to a 22-year-old in Taiwan, let's say. So the equally smart at 22 years old, how they get there are different paths. So high school, I think in America, we're not as great as preparing people for high school. Our colleges are top notch, the the elite colleges. Mm -hmm. So the elite coming out of there, we make up for what they didn't probably grab in high school generally. So in Taiwan, they're learning, you know, in Asian cultures, they're learning a lot more at an earlier clip, earlier age, as far as science and maths, but then their colleges aren't as strong generally to what we have here in the U.S. So why can't we, us in the U.S., start that earlier? I like being in the number one country in the world, right? But that's just going to change. Well, China's catching up. I'm not a, you know, one of those educational policy people, but I think there, there's, there's a system in place. And that's where some of these, um, that's where you see charter schools popping up that kind of yep. t- change the way how you look at public schools. Right, that some charter schools, I think most of them are public are publicly funded. Right, there's a portion of yeah. their they're they're publicly funded, and they're supposed to reimagine how to teach students based off of multiple different uh, perspectives. Listen, I'm not a yeah, you know, I'm I'm on the fence about charter schools. Again, I don't have children yet, so I, I I'm all you know I don't like the idea of a private school sort of thing uh, being publicly funded. As a person who went to pu- pu- uh, private school his whole life, so rich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, I, I think you know, if you got to reimagine uh, how we educate children um, with with a potential of a new normal with constant usage of technology, uh, yeah. and some schools have already adopted. You know, you know, having laptops, kids use laptops in class yep. in high school to take notes instead of even writing. At early kids. ages, dude. I'm yeah. talking elementary school. My kids, they're doing Google. And they you, got Chromebooks. And you, see, and you see some of these kids write in general. You're like, what language are you, are you, like, are you writing? Yeah. You don't know how to write. But, you know, they're, they're, it, it, I hope, you know, again, not an educator. Maybe we should bring an educator on here or, or an administrator. Talk about this. Like, the, hey, what is what is this path we move forward for making a more solutions-focused system? Um, right. I don't know, but the kids do need to make sure they still need to learn basic stuff of like, yeah, how to how to memorize how to how to go through the whole process of here's the problem, how do I get to the solution? Um, but I'm gonna throw you a solution. 
I'm going to throw you a solution. How about this? Right. It's a global world, right? We got everyone moving. Everything's going to be as, as much as countries are trying to become isolationist now across the globe, not just pointing fingers, but it's happening everywhere because we become so global. People want to retain who they are, but that's mm-hmm. part of global. That's what's happening. Now, if this is the way we're going to be doing, we're going to be having meetings with people in Hong Kong, Europe, right? Sitting here in New York, in New Jersey, where we're, where we're at, Chicago, where we're at. So we're going to need this. So why not have like hybrid, especially at higher education? I'm talking like university level, have you know, some schools are most most schools have semesters. They have, some have trimesters. Why not do one semester? Everyone's going to be on campus, or a, a chunk of people. You have different cohorts. They rotate, and then one semester, the next trimester, you're on. You're doing virtual. You need to be in, so they get the best of both worlds, right? They can make this whole democratize the whole thing, make it cheaper and more accessible to higher profile education, higher higher quality education. B. Uh, be in the room with other people to socialize, to make those connections so you can delve deep, you know, go take them further and get that emotional intelligence, the social things. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of messed up in the head if you can't socialize properly. I cause, you know, you, you need all that. So I think that's one great solution to all of this. If they're going to try to open up in the fall, they can't have a hundred thousand kids back on campus or 40, whatever it is, 40,000, maybe do 10,000 at a time. They're not opening back to campus. Uh, uh, in July, fall. they were thinking, right? Some uh, in fall, California. They're, they're, they're fall semester. The fall, again? the fall semester in California is, is for the state schools are are, are shut down. Where's oh, all, is that true? All, Already? All online classes. Wow. Damn. Okay. And so, that's so like. The theory, so the theory around changing the educational system is going to be something that's going to come out as really fast. And one thing that I always like to think about is. You know, when we're reimagining the school system and education, let's add some real life stuff in there, like taxes and exactly, <laughs> you know, finance and you know all these things that we learn we we learn about well after college and high school that can easily be taught during the school systems that associate and go back to everyday life. So I think that's if we're going to redo it, I think we should redo it with the the mindset of not necessarily being an industrial nation. Oh, but me and more uh, a nation of thinkers and like you said, critical thinkers and some critical more, thinking, man. Yeah. Make every everyday life matter because taxes are key. <laughs> Earning money is key. Revenue from real estate is key. And, you know, all these different things, just having an understanding um, is, is probably so important. So this is a topic that we'll continue to monitor. Maybe next time we'll bring in an expert so that, uh, we can Clyde, get you and I are experts right now. We've been doing this for two months. We're experts, man. <laughs> With our kids, we've been doing this. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Make <laughs> sure so you get a teacher on you like kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the thing is, is going to be like, I'm a union teacher. I need my job forever. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I get into fights oh. with this stuff, so. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, so how's the treating you guys? What did say? How's the whiskey treating you? Oh, it's man. good times, baby. You see me, I'm, I'm halfway going on a tangent, so listen. <laughs> you just heard me uh, shit on the unions, right? So, yeah, it's hitting hard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Unions are needed, but then they're not. So <laughs> that, that's a that's a line we'll cross. That is a whole nother topic. Let, let, let's, let's stay let's stay here. Exactly. Stay in your lane, man. <laughs> right here. I am not, I'm a number one podcast in the world. I want to stay there. 
This whiskey's good, man. I, I love it. I mean, my friend who I introduced it to, he tried a little bit of mine, this Koval that I'm drinking, and then he said, "Dude, you've making you're making hit after hit, baby." Every every suggestion I gave him to, I gave to him. I told him about masterclass. We both signed up together. His family and my family. Like, boom, we did it. I bought I bought the book. I bought the billet and did the ninety bucks a year. It's actually pretty good. Nice. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm talking. You can tell the drinks hitting. Go ahead. <laughs> um. So before we head out, I wanted to do what we always do around this time shit you should know boom so, who's going first because i'm prepared today uh-oh so, <laughs> i want to talk about um the continued evolution of subscription video services of disney plus launching <laughs> hamilton a year mm. early because <laughs> they run out of content but more importantly on july 3rd right around uh uh, Independence Day, they're going to be launching a new new content um, with with you know the Hamilton play, the world famous highest grossing money making one one of the highest grossing money making plays of all time in such a short window. They're going to be launching it, but you know it kind of goes to show how uh, in a time where you know people are thinking about dropping off their content, turning off. They're just going to hit you with some new content right when you're thinking about you. You think you've seen everything. So I think this is going to be a great play and one that I want to continue to uh, talk about Disney Plus specifically and them pretty much carrying the weight for the Disney company who's seen a yeah. 50 plus drop yeah. in their stock market uh, valuation and pricing because nothing else is working right now except for the streaming service that they just launched. They're coming in. Disneyland's Disney, one of the worlds in Shanghai is opening up, right? Disney Shanghai is it open up at like 30% capacity or something. So let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's see. Yep. You, uh, up, you up, Anthony? So, yeah. Uh, so I have, uh, have I, I came prepared too this time. So for, since we talked about education, this, uh, this fine episode, um, and more than likely, I don't know if there's going to be summer camps in the New York, New Jersey area and then for other parts of the country, but you know, there's code, code camps, right? And there's one called Young Works. And then the other is Juno Learning. They're all about teaching kids, I think, from 6 to 18, uh, about different coding, uh, small coding camps for four weeks. They range for like $179 to $230 for four weeks. Awesome. But then there's oh, nice. side, and it's uh, Rise App, which is formerly Mamba, Mamba Rise, Kobe Bryant's uh, his, oh. his partnership. And they took the name Mamba off, and it's called Rise App. It's all about mentally helping kids um, and young adults kind of mentally focused for their sports or particular sports. It's all about mm. mental training. So these are kind of cool things to do if you can't get to your camps this summer. Um, and, and for the kid, you know, for you two who have uh, kids, yeah, want to become coders and focus like the Black Mamba. I'm looking for, I like that. I like that because they're probably cheaper price point because I'm trying to look for refunds on some of the things that I know aren't going to happen that we already paid for. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Let me get into mine because I got a list. I'm going to scroll through it. I'm kidding. I'll make it quick. Ride along. Jersey City based ride sharing bus service. I want to give these guys a shout out. My buddy, Alex, good dear friend of mine works for him. He left a law. Two of these guys left the law firm after many years, successful there, launched this thing. And it was to basically provide for underprivileged kids or underserved kids how to, to get to school and after school activities, but they launched mid February within a couple of weeks, school shut down. So what did they start doing? So they hooked, he called me, my buddy, Alex hooked up with my, my wife's hospital. And now they're using this to 10, 12 seat buses to deliver medical supplies, food and all. So I love that they're repurposing and they're serving. And he's, he wanted to keep these retired cops who he had hired as drivers 
employed. He didn't want to furlough them and all that. So that's I love that. And it's all it's out of his pocket. It's eating into his profit. So dope. All right. I'm gonna give you some BBPs that we lost from Bollywood. All right. These guys and they tra- they've shifted over to Hollywood too. So that's why. So Rishi Kapoor, he's like, you know, like the he came from the Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, Francis Coppola of, of Bollywood in India. And um he passed away. Huh? And, Heavy hitter. And, yeah. Oh, you know his you know his name? Yeah man. Rishi Kapoor, you guys know his name? Yeah. Shit, all right, I didn't know that. Okay, Ranbir Kapoor, his son, I did the music for his first film, like way back in the day. So, um, and now he's way bigger than a star than I am. And then Irfan Khan. <laughs> so this guy went from, he would be like the Al Pacino of Bollywood. So he starred in Slumdog Millionaire here to yeah. Life of Pi and then Jurassic Park. So he, he went from being the poor kid in India who couldn't afford a ticket to go see Jurassic Park, the first one in the 90s. To starring as the Jurassic Park owner in Jurassic World in the last one, uh, he was the brown dude in there. But he, they both passed away within like two, three d- days of each other. So I just want to give them some props because that Irfan Khan died at, in the around fifties, and I can't imagine what he would have been doing like Al Pacino in his sixties, seventies, eighties, still rolling out dope content. But unfortunately, we won't, we won't get to see that. So R.I.P. Rest in peace. Yeah, well, that was a- All right, so that's it. That's it for the whiskey hue. We're gonna uh, prepare. We, we touched on it, but you know what we were sipping on. Um, for me, it was pretty delicious to drink on the J. Henry and Sons Five Year Whiskey Straight Bourbon. It was a uh, pretty good taste. And for mine, it was a little bit of the departure. It had a lemon tart taste, still a little strong. Um, and it ends in the end is a little bit funky. The finishing was a little peppermint at the end. So um, those are some of the keynotes from the, the, the J. Henry uh, five-year Wisconsin straight bourbon. Damn. Man, Clyde sounds like he's reading straight off the label, man. I'm just going to say, my good. <laughs> <laughs> cool, well, good. I like it. <laughs> like <the> caveman shit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we – yeah. Harvard Black was good. Yeah, yeah. If y'all, if you guys are good fans, y'all um, solid fans, you would know what we're talking about. The last episode, last time we talked about the Harvard Black, but it's a, it's a handful too. But uh, um, you know, it just has like a cherry taste. So, me, I'm not as descriptive with mine. If it has to be, has to be on edge, then it's a solid whiskey because I'll keep on drinking. Okay. It. <laughs> That's if you can uh, travel in uh, AG circles, right? That elite circle. It's a heavy price point on that bottle. Yeah, heavy price point. <laughs> On, on some of the whiskey I drink over here. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We ran long, baby. We ran long. We're All trying right, to get you. Thanks for tuning in. Follow Check us on, that, on IG. Check us out at thewhiskeyhue.com. Uh, IG, Twitter. Check us out and also listen on all available platforms. Don't forget to rate us five stars, the number one podcast in the world. Hosted by Anthony and Thule and Clyde. This is Thanks. Have a good week. Peace.